We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. That is Brian Driscoll. And we are back for our normal 1 o'clock talk here. And uh, we had a little bit of a change of schedule yesterday, which was great because I had to go spend way too much money on a dishwasher. So Brian was uh, nice enough to give me the day off. So thank you, sir. Uh, Yeah, I was forced to talk to Tommy Reese and John yesterday. I know. I mean, that situation. Well, you move mountains to make it happen, and I appreciate it. Well, we're it. always going to come through for our for our listeners and subscribers. <laughs> but we're back at it today, podcast yes, style are. today. Uh, going to talk about the Notre Dame sophomore class on defense, who we think is going to make an impact this year, and then we're going to dive into uh, some football one on one. Yes, and then we'll answer your questions. So it's going to be a it's going to be a fun day today. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So let let's talk about this sophomore class defensively, Brian. It just Let's start overall, okay? Um, just this class, this defensive hall overall when they came in, um, not a great class, no safeties, no linebacker. This was the no linebacker class. It, it seems like in my head, just because of you know talking recruiting and stuff with you all the time, it seems like that was a long time ago. Right. But now is where it starts to rear its ugly head a little bit. I mean, the fact that they that this class just didn't have anyone at those two positions. Um, yeah. Just talk about the class overall, and then we'll get into who we think is going to, you know, need to step up this year. Part of it, Vince, is it just shows how crazy recruiting is, right? Like, we're already – this was the 2020 class we're talking about, right? We're already talking about 2023 class, and these guys are not even sophomores yet. It's just (laughs) – Yeah, good point. It's it's, kind of crazy how recruiting goes, but – you know, this was one of the things that that you know, as uh, we said before, Clark Lee was a heck of a defensive coordinator and a heck of a teacher and a really good football coach. But the problem is, he was not a strong recruiter. And you know, he did he had some success when he was just an assistant, right? When Mike Elko was kind of driving the bus a, a, as the defensive recruiter uh, in the two that for the 2018 class, and then partly 2019 class because Mike Elko was doing work on that class before he left, but. You know, you had you struck out at two positions in a class, and it wasn't for right. lack of effort. You know, I mean, they eventually said, "Okay, well, we're just going to not take anybody just to take anybody," which was a smart decision. You know, because otherwise, you'd have scholarships being used for guys that can't play for you. Sure, 
and that would have limited the impact they've been able to do this year at linebacker and, and you know defensive back and those kind of positions. But it was a it was a problem. I mean, you went through a couple of years where you're going to have to play young players. You're going to have to play young players, whether they're ready or not, because of some of those recruiting woes at linebacker and safety. Now, at other positions, this was a strong class. This was a really strong defensive line class, in my opinion. Now, this was a really strong uh, – it, it had a chance to be a strong cornerback class. If Landon Bartleson getting kicked out of school really took a took a knock out of that because I really liked him. He would have been my number one cornerback in that class, and it would have given you some flexibility to maybe move some other guys. But it was a class that had you know a really strong D line class, a, a high upside, low floor cornerback class, and then you struck out. I mean, we were kind of going over the names, and you mentioned you know you sent me a name to talk about, and I was like, dude, that's the whole class, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> You mentioned everybody. We're not going to talk about everybody because it was a small class. Yeah. And you you ask, why are they, why are they recruiting big numbers at at corner and, and other linebacker in the last, you know, this upcoming class. And then next year it's because they're still overcoming the mistakes that they had in the 2020 class from a number standpoint. Yeah. And that, that's a huge problem. And and, and I, you're right. I'm happy they didn't take anybody just to take somebody because then you're, you're, you're bogarting, uh, for lack of a better word, scholarships that can go to younger guys, because look, maybe Notre Dame doesn't have a four man linebacker class, uh, you know, this year, if one or two of those scholarships go to somebody in that 2020 class, that is probably not going to contribute, uh, in a significant way moving forward. So, it balances out, but that's why you have these kind of lopsided numbers, you know, from class to class. If if you're not if you're not getting your minimum needs each class, and I'm talking minimum needs from a they deserve a scholarship to Notre Dame minimum needs, then it, it makes things lopsided, uh, and that's what we're kind of seeing. They're still making up for it, like you said. So, uh, but there are so you said the defensive line class was very strong. You said the cornerback class had a very high ceiling, low floor. So. That is the group that we're going to – I mean, really, I'm looking at the list right here and cornerbacks and defensive line, like that's that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about here. That's really uh, all there is to talk about in this class. <laughs> Fair enough. You say we're only going to talk about defensive linemen and cornerbacks. We're like, well, yeah, you have no choice. Yeah, There's no linebackers and safeties no in this class. So. Yeah, we have no choice. So, yeah. uh, But we're going to lead it off with a cornerback, Brian uh, Clarence Lewis. You know, part-time starter last year, uh, took over after Tariq Bracey was struggling uh, and played pretty darn well for a true freshman. Expect that jump from freshman to sophomore year, hopefully, as well. You don't want to see him stay kind of at that level. He did well as a true freshman, but now he's got to step up a little bit uh, as a true sophomore. A lot, I, I would imagine a lot of expectations uh, on, on young Clarence Lewis. I don't want to put too many expectations on Clarence because you know I think he was forced into the action a little bit sooner maybe than he probably should have because of some issues and again cornerback recruiting problems right no corners in 2017 yeah. uh, you know you had some guys leave from the 2019 class uh, you know Cam Hart moves over from secondary you have to move KJ Wallace to safety I mean it, it cornerback's been a mess for a little bit and so Clarence was forced into action, but but part of the being forced into action is you know he put himself in position to be the one that they forced into action, right? Sure and, sure. and so, you know, he had a higher floor than some of the other corners in the class. Maybe not the ceiling that that a Ramon Henderson has, who's longer and faster and those kind of things. But Clarence is a better football player right now, and obviously that's more important than the measurables. And sure, you know, I think one of the things about Clarence is if you look, he's a three star kind of corner, right? If we're talking about recruiting rankings. 
don't tell Clarence that, right? He doesn't think he's that guy. He's a very confident player. And even in the Alabama game where he got beat a few times, it you didn't see it snowball, right? Like it didn't the, the getting beat right. in space or I mean, he just got embarrassed by De, by Devontae Smith on that first touchdown. Just got shook in space. But when he was getting beat later and then he was making some plays later, it was like his confidence level wasn't shook. And that's something that's very important because, you know, that's the biggest stage he's ever been on in his life. First drive of the game, he gets shook in space. Guy runs in for a touchdown and you're thinking, okay, what's the young buck going to do? And we've seen other guys, you know, Tariq Bracey was getting beat early in the year and it, it shook him. I mean, it to the point where they had to take him off the field. Yeah, And you didn't see that with Clarence. He kept battling. He kept competing. He just got outplayed by better guys. And you know who else those guys outplayed? Everyone else they played. <laughs> yeah. You know, so uh, that to me showed me a little something about Clarence Lewis, that that this kid doesn't think he has the limitations that, that I think he has, or maybe that down the road NFL scouts are going to think he has. He's a smart player. He's a tough player. He battles. He's confident. And now you go into year two. We saw it in the in the blue gold game, Vince. And you know, again, I don't take a lot out of blue gold game from a played well, played poorly. But you saw a thicker Clarence Lewis. You saw he looked more like a college football player now. Sure. You know, he looked stronger. Those are important things for him to be able to take that step as a sophomore. I don't think he's going to like all of a sudden become like a first team All American. I think the keys for him are going to be he needs to be more consistent as every non freshman. You know, once you get past your freshman year. You know, always consistency is always going to be the key, technique-wise, assignment-wise, execution-wise. And then just take advantage of that little extra experience you have to, you know, maybe where last year he was a step late getting to a play. Well, now he's getting there on time and he's breaking up a few more balls. You know, I'd like to see him get his hands on a few more passes. You know, when you get in space against a Devontae Smith type of player, you know what to do now, right? Don't fall for the inside move because you want him to go inside. Make right. sure he doesn't get outside you, you know? there was nobody that could do that to him in high school. And honestly, there weren't really anybody that could do that to him in the regular season, right? It, it took him having to face a Devonte Smith to get beat like that. Well, now he's learned, Hey, look, attack his outside shoulder. If he beats you inside, that's okay. You got Kyle coming over to help. You got your linebackers coming over to help. What you can't do is get beat outside, you know? And, and obviously we don't talk about the fact that Nick McLeod got destroyed on that play too, got driven all the way down to the end zone, uh, you know, by the blocker, which was, was to me worse but those are the things that he you can only learn through experience. He has that now. So you want to see him be a little bit more of a savvy player. And then if he can take a little bit of a step athletically, that's only going to help him. But, you know, I, I just I just want him to be a steady player. I don't expect Clarence to come out and be like, oh, my gosh, like he's going to have a Julian Love type All-American kind of season. That's not what I'm expecting him. Just be steady, you know, be dependable and and establish at least one or two things that you do really well that they can build around. I think those are, are sort of my expectations, and it's going to be needed because they can't afford him to take a step back or have a sophomore slump or anything like that. The, the numbers are, are, are not good enough, and the experience is so light that you, you really need Clarence to step up and have a good season. So we <clears> – <throat> excuse me. In our, in our Football 101, we were talking about field versus boundary and, and things like that, and, and one of the things that you mentioned in that – was that you see Kyle Hamilton playing more of the field side this year. And we know Clarence Lewis plays the field side. And it was the opposite last time. So uh, Kyle Hamilton was more on the boundary side. Do you think that having uh, a guy like Kyle Hamilton on the same side as Clarence Lewis is going to help him 
with the way he approaches things and I mean just in general however you want to take that question do you think having those two on the same side is going to be beneficial to to Clarence Lewis Okay, so my first thought is, of course, you're going to have Kyle Hamilton behind you, but I don't think Notre Dame's moving Kyle Hamilton to field safety to protect Clarence Lewis or with the thought of protecting Clarence Lewis. I think the goal is they want to be able to use Kyle to come into the box and those kind of things, which means they're going to need Clarence to be able to play on on an island at times. They're going to definitely need him to be able to do that, and that's going to be a key part of this, of, of whether he's successful. If they're having to use Kyle Hamilton to stay over top of him and protect him, that's going to limit how much you can get Kyle Hamilton down in the box. That's not where you want to be. So can it help him? Yes. It could make him maybe more aggressive in certain looks. You know, That's something you could hey, look, we can't get Kyle downhill, but Clarence is a physical kid. We're going to let Clarence be really aggressive coming up, playing screens and playing the run and Maybe do some corner fires with him, which you don't do a ton to the field. But, you know, I mean, maybe you could mix things up a little bit if you're playing a tempo team and he gets stuck in the boundary, something like that. But uh, he's going to have to play well on his own for this defense to work. Because if they can't play cover one with him, then that's going to limit just what Marcus Freeman wants to do with his defense. And that's not where you really want to be. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The second guy we want to talk about uh, with the sophomore surge on the defensive side, uh, well, the next two guys, really. They're both going to be on the defensive line, so let's let's kick it off with Jordan. We could really string it out to four, too. I mean, that's... You're, you're right. We yeah, absolutely could. It was a really good defensive line class, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Uh, but let's let's start with Jordan Batelho. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, what do you think his contribution is going to be uh, in this defense this year as a sophomore? I think he's going to be a, a just a volume producer. You know, I think he's a guy that's going to be able to do a lot of unique things in this defense. Number one, he's going to give this defensive line a much-needed boost as a pass rusher, in my opinion. You know, he he was kind of a more of a linebacker in high school, but he would line up on the edge and just explode off the line. And what we saw in the spring in practices and in the, in the blue-gold game was his first step off the line is really outstanding. I mean, it, it is – it is as good as Notre Dame has in the roster. I think his pad level helps too. He's very low. He plays to the ground. He's going to naturally be, because he's only like 6'2". Right. He's going to naturally be getting underneath the, the pad level of his opponents. That's going to be important. And when you look at him, he's a guy that to me can be a volume producer. You know, doesn't have to play a million snaps to get seven, eight sacks. I mean, he could be a guy that's going to come in and 
and provide that. I think he he's strong enough to play on the edge against the run. I think that's important. And he's a guy that to me is gonna is gonna be able to come out and say, hey, look, we're gonna use you and Isaiah Foskey as a dynamic rotation at times, but there's also gonna be times we're gonna use you two together. And I think that's when it's gonna get really fun to watch. But I don't know if Foskey's ready to be the guy. I don't know if Jordan Patelho is ready to be the guy. I think the two of them together can be outstanding. Yeah. And it's already happening. There's already people saying, oh, forget Foskey. It's Patelho time, you know, because he's younger and we we don't see his warts. It's kind of like, you know. Sure, everybody loves that. Yeah, but you know, loves the new Zeke Carell play Rocco yeah. Spindler. Well, why is that? Well, Zeke didn't play that great. Well, he played better against Alabama than Rocco Spindler did last year. You know, I mean. <laughs> But that's kind of what happens. That's just the way it sure. is with with fans, you know. And I and I get it. And and but it, it's it, they're going to need both of those guys. Yeah. And to me, Foskey's the more complete all around player, in my opinion. And I think Jordan Patejo needs to be that 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 burst of energy off the bench is what I'm hoping. You know, that, yeah. it's like Vince. We're old, right? You remember the Pistons back in the day, right? The late '80s, early '90s. The, the, you know, Vinnie Johnson. They called him the microwave, right? Because he could just come and heat it up right away, right? off the bench. That's what I want Jordan Patelho to be, you know, just come off and just, man, whether you're playing five snaps, 10 snaps, 20 snaps, 25 snaps, man, just come in and play a hundred miles an hour and go make plays. Wasn't that a benefit for him coming off the bench like that? Because when you're a starter, you can't necessarily play like that. I think, I feel like this is a good role for him at least to get his feet wet. You know what I mean? In, In big time college football, just to be able, Hey, look, man, you're going in, Go get the quarterback. Go get the football. You know, wh- whatever the case may be, I-, I feel like that's a good role for him specifically uh, this year. I think eventually he can be that guy where he does sure. that for 50, 60 snaps. But yeah, to your point, I don't know if you necessarily want him doing that or if he can do that because he's, you know, you, you, you worry about a guy wearing out, you know, yeah. I mean, sure. to play that hard that much. I mean, I'm at the point now where, you know, Notre Dame's trying to win a championship. So whoever the best guy is, you play him. Right. Sure. I mean, that that's the, that's the reality of it. So if he's the best guy, you play him more. But I just feel like a balance, a split there of of snaps. And again, I fully expect them to, to be on the field together on in nickel packages. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for both of them to play together. I just feel like for this team to be at its best, they need Foskey to be good. They need Patelho to be a a change of energy, change of pace, kind of just Oh man, 17's coming in the game. I'm so sick of blocking this guy, you know. Right. And the fewer snaps you do play, the more you can just pin your ears back and just go. And and the other thing too that's unique about that one two punch is they're completely different body types. Where where Julian Aquar and Dalen Hayes were kind of similar body types. Julian was a little bit longer, Dalen was a little thicker, but they were kind of similar guys. Adio Gandiji and Khalid Kareem were like identical players, you know, both six four, both incredibly long arms. Very similar skill set. You look at Foskey, who's 6'5", 250, really long arms, and you got to deal with that. Then you get this little 6'2", salt-off kid that's like 240, 235, (laughs) and he's just going to explode off the line and just – and I mean, it's like, okay, I thought I had this 6'5", long guy figured out. Now i got to deal with this flipping, you know, this little crazy 6'2", guy that's just exploding past me. Okay, I finally got his timing done. Oh, it's the six five guy again, you know, and it's just that that contrast to me is gonna make it a little harder for opponents to to really get a read on those guys too, because you know it's it's they're just they're different players. And and I like that kind of it's like a receiver, right? When 
when when you are facing three, if you're a corner and you're facing three receivers, and they're all six two and vertical players that basically run the same thing, it it doesn't take a whole lot to get used to them. But when one time you're you're defending Kevin Austin, the next snap you're having to defend Braden Lindsay, the next snap you're having to defend Lawrence Keys, it's like these are three completely different players. Yeah, it's like pick one, man. Come on. Yeah. Well, that's how it's going to be at defensive end. Yeah. Is you you've got two completely different players at Viper. They can, but they can both rush the quarterback, but they're having going to have a completely different pass set moves. Whereas, you know, you're trying to handle Botelho's speed, and then you kind of get used to I got to really quickly get out there, and then all of a sudden you you do that against Foskey, and he's so big and strong, he just gets up underneath you and one arms into the quarterback, you know, and, and then you you know you're trying to get used to six five Foskey, and all of a sudden Botelho comes off and he's six two and he gets up underneath your pads and he rides into the quarterback, you know. That's this combination is partly why I'm so excited about what this defense can be this year is because I expect that duo. I don't know if in either either one of them will individually have like a 10 plus sack year, but I think as a unit, I'll as a combination, I'll be surprised if we don't get at least like 10 to 12 sacks from this duo in, in this season. I'll, I'll be real surprised because also, again, partly Vince, they're not always going to be rotating with each other at times they are going to be on the field together. And that's the other thing about Patojo. He played linebacker in high school. He's athletic enough. Did you see that that Twitter thing that Brian Pullian put out a couple weeks ago where he was showing that kickoff against Boston College? Yeah. It yeah. was Bo Bauer and Jordan yeah. Patojo. Did you see that Jordan Patojo beat Bo Bauer down the yeah. field? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, so this cat can run, monster. right? Yeah, this absolutely. isn't your typical Viper defensive right. end. He's not playing Viper because he's not athletic enough to play linebacker. Right. And I think that's another aspect to this that's going to be intriguing is because you can go, you can line up on first and 10 in a 3-3-5 and you can have Foskey at end and you can have Jordan Patel stacked right behind him. And then you can have, you know, Bo Bauer and Shane Simon and then outside you got Jack Heiser. And then, you know, so you're in that, you're in sort of a four down look, but you're in a really athletic four down look. And you can move Batelho all around and bring him up the middle, bring him off the other edge, bring him off. You know, imagine yeah. that t- tackle like now I got to deal with both of these guys coming off me at the same time. You know, and and you know, to me, I just I, man, that that excites me. It excites yeah. me as an analyst is that when I start having like my former quarterback flashbacks, it kind of gives me like twitches <laughs> when I think about it. You know, uh, but I think they're going to be a really fun and exciting duo. So speaking of a one-two punch, uh, we're going to move inside a little bit. And, you know, Notre Dame uh, does a really good job of, uh, how do I want to say it? Putting out pictures that get people excited. Putting out videos that get people excited. And we've seen seen a few uh, snapshots of Riley Mills over the summer. And the the man is massive. He's huge. Uh, He towers. There was a picture, I believe, of him. Uh, was it yesterday? Well, yesterday's when I saw it, but he was one of those guys that won like the WWE belt, you know, and he's standing next to three other guys. He just dwarfs them. I mean, it just absolutely dwarfs all, all the other guys that were in that picture with him. And uh, he is an exciting guy to talk about, uh, going into his sophomore year because he made some plays as a freshman, uh, you know, last year. And so uh, with an expanded role this year, what do you see, uh, from him? Well, I don't know if he's necessarily going to have an expanded role this year. Okay. No, but, okay, but part of that too down, is yeah. he was standing part of one of the guys who was standing next to is Kyron Williams. Ky- and Kyron Williams has two over. And, yeah. You know, I mean, Joe Wilkins is like six one. Kyron's like five nine. You know, <laughs> and I don't know who that other guy was. 
but it's like, well, I would hope Riley looks bigger than those guys. <laughs> it's a slot, an Don't outside my receiver thunder, and a Brian. running back. Don't steal my thunder. But no, he, he's doing good. But look, Riley's not guaranteed to have an expanded role this year. I mean, that's what's so so great about this defensive line depth chart is Riley Mills is Riley Mills could go anywhere from being a starter and beating out Jason Adamiola to being third string and getting beat out by Jacob Lacey or Howard Cross or Gabriel Rubio. You know, I mean, that's how loaded this group is. You can't have a bad period. You can't have a bad week. You can't have a bad, you know, fall camp or a bad whatever because yeah. that group is going to is they're going to battle. They're going to compete. So he's still battling to me for that number two job. And I don't see him beating out Jason Adamiola. I'm just making the point that, you know, if Jason right. gets hurt or, or he struggles <clears throat> or whatever the case may be, Riley could step into that. But, you know, Riley to me is a very intriguing player, Vince, because he was actually an end in high school. You know, he was a big end in high school. And he'd slide inside some, but he was he's an edge player. So I think he is one of those guys that was really going to benefit from the Marcus Freeman hire because he can play three technique. But he's not a 300-pounder, you know? And so when they go to the right. three-down looks, you can put him on the edge. He can play five technique. He can rush off the edge. I think what he's going to have to do this year, he's going to have to prove his technique. You know, his hand play has got to get better as far as getting off blocks, which is going to allow him to use his athleticism a little bit more to his advantage. I mean, if he wants to stay in the lineup, which I think he will and can, he's going to have to make plays. I mean, that's the thing is these backups, you have to be a volume guy. You have to come in and, and say – hey, you're not getting a lot of snaps, but we need a lot of volume from you production-wise in those limited snaps. And that's what Riley's capable of. And and, and what you can't have if you're going to be ch- competing for a championship is you can't throw in your second wave of defensive linemen, whether it's for 15, 20 snaps a game, and see a big drop-off. That's right. what happened in their name in 2012. When they took off Lewis Nick. When Lewis Nix wasn't on the field in 2012, that was a completely different defense. Whether it was as a rotation or you know he was banged up against Pitt. I mean, you go back and watch the first half of that pit game. I think Manti Teo was on the ground more that first half than he was all season because they were just getting up to him and chopping him because there wasn't Lewis Nix eating up two, three blockers. Well, in this defense, you're going to need that second level to continue to come in and just, hey, look, we need to swarm them. We can't take them off. And when you when you think about what made the defensive end depth chart so good the last three years, it was it didn't matter who was in the game. It didn't matter if it was Aguara or Hayes or Kareem or Ogundiji. And then last year, we saw that with Foskey and Hayes, you know, and, and Adam Yo, Justin Adamiol and and uh, Adi Tagumba Ogandiji, and they're going to need that this year. And I, I think because you're seeing a shift to a more aggressive defensive scheme and philosophy from Marcus Freeman, I think it's even more important that this defensive line really have production in, inside. The interior players have to step up and be good. If they're not producing, if they're not getting after the quarterback, if they're not getting tackles for loss, I don't know if this defense can be as good as it, it it's capable of being. And I think Riley Mills is one of those guys that has the potential. Him and Jason Adamiola, if they're both playing to their full potential, have the ability to both be really impactful players. But then I could say the same thing if Jacob Lacey's that guy sure. as the number two nose tackle or three technique. And so they're going to have to battle, and and that's something I'm excited about too. Is if Riley's if Riley's on the field this year as a two, that means he's held off some really good football players, which means he's going to be in position to be that kind of playmaker. Right. But that's the thing I like for, about Riley Mills, Vince. And and I don't know what your thoughts are on him. I mean, you know, I, I don't want this just to be you ask tee me up and I answer it, and then we move on. I want to no, get your good. thoughts on these guys too. Be, <clears throat> but you know, I, you know, to me, Riley also is a like I said, he really fits this defense because he can move around and play different spots. Well, and that's that's my thing with Riley Mills is you can see the fact that his background is as an end, 
And in this defense, and you've talked about it before, it's not about taking up space, right? And, and keeping guys off linebackers while that is part of it. It's also go get the football, go get the ball carrier. And I feel like that fits in with what Riley Mills does. Well, uh, moving him inside, it's almost like moving an end inside, you know, he's just kind of outgrew it a little bit. Right. But he still has, that's still his foundation. That's still where uh, the way he grew up. Right. And so you, you can't take that away from him. Right you can only enhance it. And I feel like this defense is only going to enhance what he does well um, at his size. Right. So I'm excited about it. I, I think, I think you could even see times where him and Jason are both on the field at the same time. a la you know, Jordan Batelho and Isaiah Foskey being on the field at the same time. You, you could have two speedier guys right on the interior if it's a third down situation and you could keep it as an interior guys, as opposed to taking an end, moving them down inside. I mean, there's, there's just so many different options that you can do with this group because they are so deep. Um, and I think Riley Mills can help you with that. I, I think that he could be that kind of a guy. Uh, and so I'm excited to see what kind of production that he can bring from the middle. And, and you have echoed it before I'm echoing you uh, on this front, but we're going to see the production from the middle guys escalate greatly right I mean that that's just a fact because of the way this defense is constructed uh and to see who's going to be the beneficiary of that production increase is going to be the fun part I, I really think this this defense is going to be a lot of fun to watch and it's going to start on the inside yeah I, I mean in again the depth is the big thing for me and yes all these guys, whether it be Patelho, I mean, Patelho is going to have to try to not only beat out Foskey, but hold off Osidekwanu, right? And and that's the thing that I just love about this this front seven, but especially the front four is there's just nobody can take a day off, nobody can have that off game if you want to keep your job. And you know, and Riley Mills. So when you when a guy's on the field, you know he's on the field because he's one of the best that they have, and that's the, that's the exciting thing. So when we were doing this, you said I sent you every uh, defensive guy that was in this class. You're like, yeah, we can't talk about all of them. And you're right. We can't talk about all of them. But there's a couple of guys that we do want to talk about that could potentially be, you said, sleepers, um, guys that could potentially help out that we may not be expecting or whatever. Whatever your definition of sleeper is, these two guys could be the, you know that category, right? So uh, let's, let's just stay on the defensive line. Aiden Kiana Anna um, didn't hear obviously a lot of from him last year. What do you see his potential role being this year and how he could be fall into that category of sleeper? I mean, three years ago, he's playing as a freshman. I mean, right. again, that just right. shows how far this group has come. Three years ago, he's playing as a freshman. Now you look at it and you say, okay, well, now he's battling just to get on the field, which just speaks volumes about how deep this unit is. But the thing I like about Aiden is, he brings a lot more girth to the table that that they don't necessarily have in some other spots. And, and I think you there's a time and a place for that. So I don't know if Aiden's going to be able to charge all the way up the two deep and be the backup nose tackle or the, even the third string nose tackle. But I think at the very least, I could see him in short yardage. I could see him in goal line. I could see him maybe playing a little bit more against Wisconsin than he does against USC and North Carolina. But it's so, so there's at least that floor where I think his big size and strength and all that can can play a role. And then if he can continue continue what he's been in the past, 
in high school and then carry that into college where he can be a little bit, you know, he's got some quickness. He's not just a space yeah. eater. He's not just a big kid that is taking up space. He's got some quickness to him. We saw him in the spring game showing some penetration ability. You know, that's important. And, and to do that as a 300 pounder to me <laughs> is also important. And, and to me, that's, that's what I think that Aiden can bring to the table this year. Vince is, you know, the ability to be a disruptive, big, thick body. And and the nice thing is they don't need him to play 30 snaps. So it can just be, hey, man, we're going, you're going to play 10 snaps a game. You're going to come in there and you're going to bowl somebody. Yeah. And you're going to be physical and powerful. And, you know, you're, you're, you're looking for knockout punches. Right. And, and I think Aiden can help with that because he's a talented player. And again, like I said, in, in 2017 to 2018, you know, a, a stretch during which Notre Dame went, what, 22 and four. Aiden would have played as a freshman. He'd be no brainer in the two deep right now. Uh, so, so he's a guy that I think can help. And and again, he's that guy that if you are ahead of him and you're a veteran and you feel like, yeah, I don't feel like bringing him today. Okay, that's fine. But you know, you're gonna find yourself behind Aiden K on, on the depth chart tomorrow. And, and that's what I like about. It. And then maybe his time is more next year when Heinish is gone and Edemiola is gone and some of those things. But I could see him having a role this year in this in this Notre Dame defense. What I mean. What are your thoughts on uh, on Aiden Vince? Well, his, his biggest thing to overcome is the depth. I mean that that you're absolutely right. It's the 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 depth that he sees in front of him. You're right. A couple of years ago, he's he's getting a lot of playing time. He's probably a two. You know, he he's probably a kid who is in there for 20, 30 snaps as a freshman. And now because of the depth at Notre Dame, which, which is a great thing. It's going to allow him to percolate a little bit longer, you know, marinate, if you will, looking for a, a a word to use there. But I think that can only benefit him, and 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 I think that that's okay. You know what I mean? It, it'll allow him to come in, and again, kind of, it, it's a different scenario than a Jordan Batello, but the idea is similar. You come in, play with your hair on fire, do what you got to do, and then you get to get out. You know what I mean? Like I think that could benefit him right now, and it's just going to show, you know the depth uh, on this defensive line. So uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I hope he gets an opportunity and you're right because he is where he is. Look out if you're above him on the depth chart, if you don't bring it every day, you know, that is going to potentially be an issue uh, and a good issue like that. You know, the whole iron sharpens iron thing. I think that right. definitely uh, is, is what we're looking at here with the defensive line. I mean, the, all these guys, you can go three deep, Right. And there's teams out there that if you take Notre Dame's third team or, you know, third two slash three, they would love for that to be their starters. You know what I mean? And frankly, five years ago, Notre Dame probably would have liked that. Mm. You know, um, it's just a great place for Notre Dame to be in right now. Um, the thing about Aaron's is when he came to Notre Dame, uh, he became he was the the ball of clay. Right. He's, he was a, a guy who came from Germany. Uh, you know, big, long, athletic kid, which is great. Uh, he He's a kid that came over and just, you know, he needed time. I mean, he needed time. And, you know, he was able to get a little bit of that time at Notre Dame. And I, I think that there's still a lot of room for him to grow, which I think is great. Uh, but coming from Germany and not having the background that a lot of these guys at Notre Dame already have, uh, it is where he was kind of behind the eight ball a little bit, but this is where the depth at Notre Dame, I think benefits uh, everybody out. It benefits um, Ernstberger 
right? Because you don't, if you're at Notre Dame, you don't bring him in to be a day one starter. You don't bring him in to be a guy that you need to count on right away. He's a guy that you can put in the oven for a little while. You can leave him in a little bit longer. He's a guy that, you know, while he has the tools, he needs a little bit of refinement as far as some of the the technical aspects uh, of everything. And so I think, you know, giving him some time uh, will allow him to be better. Uh, we saw a little bit of him last year, uh, which was great. I think that if he does get in this year, it's going to be, you know, a similar situation uh, to a lot of the guys that we're talking about. It's going to be, you know, maybe five snaps a game, you know, maybe 10 snaps, depending on how things are going. And this is another area that where if Notre Dame is doing what they're supposed to do to a lot of these teams, that's where Alexander Ehrensberger is going to benefit because he should be in the game earlier and longer. Right. And so, I'm hoping to see that more often. We see that more on the defensive side of the ball than we have on the offensive side of the ball, which is great. Um, and I think that's where he can benefit. I don't know how much of a guy that Notre Dame is really going to be depending on Alexander this year. And that's fine uh, because of the depth. If this was a few years ago, I'm a little worried because I still think he needs a little bit of refinement and things along those lines. And to count on him as a, everyday rotation guy I think that that might have been an issue uh but that's not what they're looking for from him um and so I'm really hoping that you know he gets a little bit of spot time um and he's able to show what he can do but that this team isn't going to be counting on him a hundred percent you know um it, it's hey go in there give me five snaps that's great let's do it uh if not that's cool too keep working. You know, I think Alexander Ehrensberger is going to be a guy that we're going to see, you know, in the future, uh, more so than we will in 21, but that's okay because 22 is going to be, we've talked about the schedule in 22, the 22 schedule is crazy and you're going to want as much depth on that defensive line and as much experience coming back from 21 as you can possibly get. And that's where Alexander Ehrensberger is going to be able to help you. And uh, so we're going to see some flashes from him this year. I do believe that. But at the same time, I just don't think that he's going to, you know, I don't think he's going to see a ton of playing time unless, of course, there's injuries and he's got the athletic ability to kind of step in. I just think he probably needs a little bit more, more of the, the technical skill uh, to, to move forward and, and be, you know, an every rotation kind of guy. Uh, okay. Well, another guy that we wanted to talk about, uh, was Ramon Henderson at corner and, and Ramon Henderson, uh, you know, Brian talked about him a little bit earlier fast. Um, you know, he's got a lot of the attributes. He's just, he's, he's a kid who has gotten passed up a little bit. Um, I think that, uh, I was I was a little bit surprised to see Clarence Lewis step in the way he did last year. I was kind of expecting maybe maybe a Ramon Henderson possibly um and not taking anything away from Clarence. I think he did a great job. Uh but Ramon Henderson has, you know, again, a little bit more uh, speed to burn um but again, that depth chart at corner is one that he's going to have to play really, really well to hold off some of these freshmen uh, that are coming in as well. So um, again, for him, it's going to be 
more of a technique uh, thing. He, he's got all the attributes that you want at corner. Uh, no question about that. Uh, let me see here. I wanted to bring this up. He, you know, he's 6'1", 189. So, I mean, he's got size, uh, which is great out of California. Um, so, and he, he obviously didn't get a lot of playing time last year and that's okay. But again, the depth chart, the way it is at Notre Dame right now at corner, he's going to have his hands full. Um, he's going to have his hands full kind of battling away with some of those guys that are on the roster already. Um, and if he does make his way onto the field this year, and that's why he's a sleeper because I'm personally, and I don't want to speak for Brian on this one. I'm not personally anticipating, uh, Ramon Henderson being in the rotation, uh, at corner, but if he does, that means he beat out some really, really good guys, uh, and some surging players and some guys that we think will be on the field. Um, I think he's battling probably for a number two spot. He's he's battling for that depth uh, spot because, you know, we are pretty sure uh, of what the cornerback uh, room looks like right now, at least at the top of the depth chart. But after those top guys, you know, after Clarence Lewis, after Tariq Bracey, after Cam Hart, um, I think it's wide open, to be honest with you. I, I really do. I think it's uh, fairly wide open. So, you know, Ramon Henderson can make a move. Uh, he really can. He can make a move here, uh, but he's going to have to fight off some really, really good younger players uh, to make that happen. Um, and so that's where I see Ramon Henderson. We have him listed as a sleeper because he has the ability to do it. Uh, it's definitely a possibility for him to do it. It's just going to take a little bit more uh, work on his part uh, and to fight off some of those guys that are in that depth chart. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.